the Giants will get their chance at revenge this week in their building when they take on the first-place Eagles. We'll preview the matchup, talk about the developing Daniel Jones, the Giants' rotating offensive line, and what Golden Tate's role will be. We also chat with a bruising running back, my old teammate, two-time Super Bowl champion. It's the big fella, Brandon Jacobs. All that plus Tyne's take on Dave Gettleman next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome to Blue Rush, everybody, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your bloody pods. Give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Joining the guys later in the show, joining us all is two-time Super Bowl champion. He was a bruiser in the backfield. It's the earth of earth, wind, and fire. Number 27, Brandon Jacobs will stop by. You also get a Dave Gettleman take from Lawrence Tynes on Tynes Take. Your host of Blue Rush are the aforementioned Lawrence Tynes and Paul Schwartz of the New York Post. It's a Thursday show, so we're going to start with our In the Paper segment, and we're going to start a little bit differently this week in the celebrity death match that came between Paul Schwartz and Joe Judge, a great press conference that happened Wednesday, and we want to play exactly what Paul asked and how Joe Judge responded, courtesy of the Giants' YouTube page. Listen in. Um, I would imagine you would agree that the best quarterbacks can be cautious and aggressive really at the same time uh where is daniel on that excuse me on that spectrum because you want him to be cautious and and be careful with the ball but he's not making enough plays really offensively aggressive wise so where is he there yeah i would disagree with that paul i think he's doing a lot of things aggressive i think the way this guy stands in the pocket when the rush is collapsing on him at certain times or makes plays with his feet extend outside the pocket the way he's willing to pull the ball in some of the zone reads and run downfield and take a big hit. I see a lot of aggressiveness in Daniel, and I like the way he plays. I know the team rallies around him right there. Um, you know, when it comes time to take our shots, we'll take our shots offensively, and sometimes we got to be a little more calculated about how we want to systematically move the ball down the field. You have to have a good balance of both within the game plan. You know, that being said, look, I think Daniel's a developing player. I think he's showing a lot of promise. He's making a lot of gains this year. He's done a lot of really, really good things for us that have given us a chance to be competitive within games. And I see him improving on a weekly basis. And I love having that guy in the huddle right now being our signal caller. I know the team around him does as well. Okay, if you don't like the word aggressive, um, do you see any tentativeness in, in him at all when he's processing things in his mind that I don't want to make a mistake? No, not at all. Not at all. And I think he's really done a good job of, you know, sitting back and dissecting the defense at times this year and finding the right receiver. And at the same time, when we go ahead and we put scheme-type plays out there to isolate a certain player, he's done a good job as far as getting the ball distributed to those guys and make sure it gives him a chance to make a play with the ball in their hands. Ding, ding, ding. Paul Schwartz, Lawrence Tynes. I want to get your reactions. Paul, we'll start with you. What would you think of uh, the reaction from Joe Judge to your questions? Well, um, that um, that little tete-a-tete uh, -tete there uh, kind of summed up my baseball career in a nutshell. Two at-bats. Um, I don't know if they were strikeouts. They were weak pop-ups, maybe. And then I go take a sit and the go take a sit back in the dugout and uh, get my glove and start playing defense. No, look, this this is you ask guys questions to get responses. I think Daniel Jones, if you don't like the word aggressive, you don't like the word unaggressive. 
tentative. Look, they need to score more points. And and if you're going to make this guy into a quarterback who's going to dump the ball off, be careful about interceptions, be careful about turnovers, fumbles, things like that. As a rookie, he played a little more carefree, threw the ball down the field more. And look, they had five turnovers in their favor last week against Washington, and they won the game by three points. We talked about that on the last show, right? That they need to score more touchdowns. And uh, until they do, Daniel Jones is not going to make the cut as a quarterback. That doesn't mean he's trash. It just means you got to score more points. That's what a quarterback does, right? Yeah, eight touchdowns, nine interceptions on the season. That's that's not good enough. I, I do understand where he's coming from saying he's a developing player. I mean, Daniel Jones is 23 years old. I mean, some people forget he's he's he came into the league pretty young. Uh, this is his second season, 23 years old. Joe Burrow's a rookie, and he's 23. Um, but he's got to develop more in the passing game. They It looks like the game plan each week is built to protect Daniel as opposed to let him sling it. And so they know his limitations. I think as this offensive line starts playing better, though, we might see some more route trees and and some more you know shots downfield. But it's really going to hinder on the offensive line. You know, it's interesting, Lawrence, because it almost seems like they have broken him down and now they're building him back up. He's not a rookie. Yeah. You know, he threw 24 touchdowns last year, 12 interceptions. It's a brand new offense. We all know they had no OTAs and no real spring and things like that. But when you talk to the quarterback's coach, you talk to Joe Judge, you talk to Jason Garrett, it's almost like, okay, we kind of purged all that out of his system, and now we're building a backup slowly. And look, as long as the arrow is going up, yeah. and last week it started going up a little bit, that's the thing, because people in my profession and people in a lot of people's profession now, when you start losing a lot of games and the draft pick starts going up, 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 you know, three, two, one, you start thinking, who's next? So Daniel Jones has to stave that off by playing better. It doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He has to play better and show the arrows pointing up because they don't want to draft a quarterback. They don't want to have to do that. Yeah, they certainly don't want to go down that that uh, path again. But, nope. you know, the one thing I noticed, Paul, I, I when I watch this film and, and I keep saying it, I said it, his footwork is terrible. It is terrible. I don't know if I'm probably overreacting to watching his footwork, but I I watch, I go back and I watch other quarterbacks, even the quarterback that they're playing, his footwork is horrible. It just doesn't look like quarterback footwork to me. You know, I, and, I think some of that is that he's changed in this offense because I think if you looked at film from last year, his footwork might be better. Yeah, yeah. And I need to do that. And it just takes some time, but I am planning on doing that. But you know, you'll see a lot of stuff where he's throwing the ball after they're already coming out of their break and they're stationary, we he doesn't anticipate very well. Oh, you know and what? That sounds like tentative. I think he's tentative. You remember I the, would two, agree. the two point conversion against Tampa? Yes, yes, he's clutch. He's, clutch. He was tentative. You know, you're a yeah, big, strong and, guy. Throw the darn ball. The Evan Ingram drop. If you go back and watch that play on film, he had an opportunity to throw that ball one second earlier to Evan. Quicker, quicker, then, quicker. You know, Evan doesn't have to stare at it as long, so maybe he catches it. And then, you know, Shepard's open on like a little corner route out to the sideline. I mean, wide open. But he just doesn't anticipate well enough. And I think a lot of that's – this is a new offense. I'm going to give him a little bit of slack, but we mm -hmm. need to start seeing some some throws on time as your foot hits the ground with good footwork. His footwork to me still, it just doesn't look good. And I'm not a quarterback coach, but I know what it looks like. Cheerio! Guys, Golden Tate was benched against Washington after saying, quote, throw me the damn ball the week prior in the game against the Bucks." What do you see Tate's role being not only Sunday against the Eagles, but well, going Sarah, forward with the rest of the I don't think we season? need to use that kind of language on this podcast. That's, that's <laughs> one thing I think. I mean, let's let's try to keep it. This is a family show, right? 
Um, oh, oh, okay. Now we're hiding behind a quote. quote. Okay. Yep. Quote. All right. Um, look, his role is going to be similar to what it was. He was not getting a lot of targets before this. He's not going to get more now. Uh, you know, he was the, the receivers coach. Tyke Tolbert was asked just the other day. You guys feel a little pressure now. Golden Tate said this, get me the so-and-so ball. And I wouldn't say that word. Get me the ball. And you guys feel pressure to get him the ball. And he said, no. He almost laughed. He said, no, we don't feel pressure to get anybody the ball. We're going to run our offense. So he comes back. As long as his attitude is good, which I think it will be, he gets in rotation. You have Slayton, you have Sterling Shepard, and oh, by the way, Austin Mack, the undrafted rookie, looked pretty good filling in for him. So he'll fill in. They're a better team with him on the field, but don't complain if you don't get the ball. That's all. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think Golden Tate learned a a pretty good Mm -hmm. lesson last week, and I don't know Golden Tate. I've been a little bit critical of him on this show. I'm going to say that Golden Tate's going to come out and have his best game of the season against the Eagles. I think there's something in him that obviously made him a high draft pick, made him a great Pro Bowl football player. He still has that in him. Maybe this lit a fire in him because he has kind of been just going through the motions, I feel like, this first six, seven weeks. And sometimes when the game's taken away from you, you see a young player, Austin Mack, balling last week. He's going to help the team, right? You add Pettis into the mix too. Maybe we see some five wide. Who knows? Um, but we're a better team with Golden Tate, you know, playing playing good football. El Boogie. Austin Mack, yes, will be playing. Not Albert Mack, but Austin Mack <laughs> will be at receiver. Uh, let's move move on, guys, to you know another guy that you know Lawrence Tynes drools over, and that's Matt Parrott, the Giants. Oh, yes. The Giants' offensive line. He's already salivating. If you don't see him now, there is drooling drool coming out of his mouth. The Giants' offensive line rotation has been pretty unique these last couple of weeks. Matt Parrott's become an X factor, playing both left and right tackle. Rookie Shane Lemieux has made his presence felt pretty quickly here at guard. What have you seen from this offensive line? We'll start with you, Tynes, and the rotations the Giants have been pulling off. It is getting better every single week. Uh, you know, you guys know I'm kind of a film nerd. I've become one this year. Just a um, nerd. You can just say nerd. Nerd. Okay. Yeah, you can just say nerd. Well, yeah. yeah. And I, this group, it, you can see it, and it's glaring. They are getting better. Andrew Thomas had one of his best games blocking uh, Chase Young all all day on Sunday. I love Lemieux. He struggles a little bit in the pass game. He's tenacious and, and tough in the run game. I think if Hernandez comes back, as Joe says, we got three for two there, and we got three for two at the tackle spot. I will tell you this, Matt Pert, I Here would we go. Here we pay go. pay-per-view to watch this guy's film. I mean, this guy's <laughs> film, if I could only share more of it with you guys on social media, I would pay to watch it. The guy is a star. Put him anywhere. He may even be able to throw the football with those arms he's got. He's not human. You know, Jake, we have we have we have to stop booking players' agents, okay? Because you know Matt Pert's agent is really not supposed to be on the show. Uh, look, okay, okay, look. Here, here's what I would say about Matt Pert: is that he is not as advertised. Okay, he is not. Ooh, okay. He's not. He's better because he was a left tackle in college who was supposed to be raw. They look at the guy and he remember when they drafted him six seven three eighteen and they said he's skinny yeah. so he's gonna have to build his body up. He played at UConn, you know the competition is so so there. He's gonna spend a year. He's gonna develop a year. Not really play unless something you know crazy happens and we're gonna build him back up. Maybe he can play right tackle. And the thing that's shocking when Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach, because this whole Lawrence, you agree this is funky. You know, putting in three guys. Rotating. I've never seen it. Never seen no, it. no one's ever seen it. And and so when 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 Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach, was asked, "Where does this come from? This three to you know three into two at the offensive line at tackle spot?" You know what he said? Now here's the agent in Lawrence Steins. He said, "It comes down to Matt Pert because in practice 
They watched him. You know, in practice, a rookie's going to move around, right? They put him at left tackle. Okay, he looks good at left tackle. They put him at right tackle. He looked good at right tackle. So they said, you know what? We can try this in the game. They put him at right tackle for Cam Fleming. Looks pretty good. You know what? Let's give him some snaps at left tackle in the game. He looks good there too. So this whole situation is because Matt Pert can handle it. And that was not supposed to happen with him as a rookie. And it is incredibly important down the stretch here. If he keeps developing, they have a starting tackle. I probably right tackle, I would guess, but not left tackle, but they might have bookend tackles, which is what the plan was earlier than planned. And now you go into the draft you can do whatever the heck you want because now you have two tackles. Lawrence Tynes just ran through a brick wall like me after watching Steve Cohen's press conference. He is so hyped. He's good. And the, and these other guys are coming along too. I mean, Lemieux has played well. His his passing, pass protection is a little suspect, but is Hernandez coming back this week, Paul? Uh, Hernandez is practicing. He'll probably come back. And one thing, when okay. you talk about Lemieux, nobody should be running Kevin Zeitler out of town just yet. You know, no he's way. their he's no their way. best lineman. Yep. And, and he's expensive and he'll cost some money. You know, he's only in his early 30s and he yeah. never misses a game. He's like a, a robot. He is like a machine. He is big. He is strong. He doesn't miss anything, so they're better with him. I wouldn't, you know, you don't have to no. discard players just because you have a rookie there. He's better. If put it this way, if Shane Lemieux one day becomes Kevin Zeitler, the Giants will be thrilled. Yeah, you want to be strong up the middle. The old Drew Brees offensive line strategy, right, with the big guards, with Will and Zeitler in the center, obviously playing really well. So we need to keep that pocket clean in the middle and let those athletes, Pert and Thomas, work on the edges. The bloody Eagles. So I don't know if you guys forgot, but the 2-7 and seven Giants had a devastating one-point loss just a few weeks ago in Philly, and now the 3-4-1 and one first-place Eagles are coming to MetLife Stadium on Sunday at 1 p.m. for a rematch. This is a pretty big game for the NFC standings, so let's hear your Giants-Eagles game preview and your predictions. Well, uh, as you said, you know, I, I actually, when I was looking at the standings, I had to go to the percentages because I couldn't figure <laughs> out, well, what, what what does the tie do? You know, I can figure out wins and losses, but then you throw the tie in there. But the sure. Giants technically are still in last place, okay? But uh, because they're 2-7, and seven, the Cowboys are 2-7, and seven, but the Giants lost to the Cowboys. So, But if the Giants beat the Eagles, Sarah, as you said, it's a big matchup. The Giants are a half a game out of first place, which is stunning. It would be an unbelievable way for them to go into their bye. Now, look, the Giants are getting better. They're essentially the same team, but they're unquestionably getting better. The Eagles are not going to be the same team. They're getting back Miles Sanders, their best running back. They're probably getting back Alshon Jeffrey, their best receiver who hasn't played all year. They're probably getting back Lane Giants, Lane Johnson and Isaac Samalu, who have played 25 snaps together on the offensive line. They were devastated by injuries when the Giants played them, and they still beat the Giants. They're rested. They're coming off a bye. They're healthier. Tough matchup in Philly. You you're taking Philly. I am taking Philly. Yes, I, I, I'm sorry about you know going into a bye with a loss. I think the Eagles win. Yeah, I think the Eagles. I think the Eagles are the best team in the division. I think they'll win. Close game. The Giants play all close games. Seven points. The bloody Eagles. I, I listen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick the Giants either. If that might surprise some of you. I know they played okay. But we were plus five in turnovers against the Redskins and only won by three points. I think the Eagles are coming off a bye. They're going to be rested. Miles Sanders comes back, some of their other weapons. I'm going to go Eagles 24 to 17. The bloody Eagles. Well, I hardly ever bet against the Giants, so I'm going 23-20 Giants. I'm actually going to take the Giants as well. I think they were just playing good football right now, and you talked about this earlier in the season, Tide. You said later in the season you could see the Giants playing their best football all year. I think it's getting later in the season, so I think it's going to be 27 
24 Giants. I think it'll be a tight one. Coming up next, Lawrence Tynes has has a Tynes take, and it's on GM Dave Gettleman and the haters that come along with him. Haters. So Dave Gettleman is every Giants fan's punching bag. Like, he's like the easiest guy to attack or go after, whether you're on social media or watching games. I see a lot of fire Dave Gettleman. Dave Gettleman is a brilliant football mind. Dave Gettleman's been in the game a very long time. Dave Gettleman has been to eight Super Bowls. You heard that right. Eight as an NFL executive or scout. That is an insane amount of Super Bowls. He is responsible for this defense right now. We all know who he's responsible for. Literally every single guy on that defense is a Gettleman draft pick or signing or trade. Throw in Graham Gano. Not a sexy pick, not a sexy signing kicker, right? Arguably one of our top five players right now. The guy's automatic. Offensively, struggle bus, right? We switch from a franchise icon, Eli Manning, to this young guy. Jury's still out on him. Had a lot of ups, had a lot of downs. We'll see. But this offensive line, three rookies are playing. These are all Gettleman draft picks. Fleming's a stopgap. Zeitler, a veteran player we got in the Olivier uh, Vernon trade. A lot of good there last couple weeks. A lot of good. I think he's had 26 draft picks since coming back to New York to be the GM. I think 20 of them, 19, 20 of them are still on this ball club. That's impressive. There's a lot of good players in those drafts too. So all I'm saying is let's wait till the end of the season with the fire Dave Gettleman because they're not going to fire him midseason. Sure, is it going to depend on wins, losses? I think it might in his age and he's had some health issues. But let's not underestimate Dave Gettleman going to eight Super Bowls as an executive or GM, okay? Because everyone's going to be evaluated at the end of the season by ownership, coaching staff, players, him. But Dave Gettleman knows what Super Bowl football teams look like. And I think he's trying to build one. Joining us next is a two-time Super Bowl champion Giants running back. He spent seven seasons with Big Blue from 2005 through 2011 before returning for an eighth season in 2013 after a year with the 49ers. He couldn't get enough of New York City. He replaced Tiki Barber in the backfield in 2007, and he was a pivotal piece in those Super Bowl teams over the Patriots. He holds the Giants franchise record for most career rushing touchdowns, and he's fourth on the list in rushing yards. He's the earth of earth, wind, and fire. It's number 27, Brandon Jacobs. Brandon, welcome to Blue Rush. Jake Brown, Lawrence Steins, Paul Schwartz. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, I I try to semi-put on my Barry White voice, which is similar to yours, get it deep. I can't get it that deep, but, um, (laughs) you know, you you were super talented in that area. And now, uh, Brandon, after your playing career, you're coaching. Tell us about what you're doing down at St. Francis High School and in uh, Georgia coaching, you know, youth Giants football program as well. Well, you know, coaching down here, man, and, you know, in the football state, uh, Georgia, uh, is an awesome, um, and, you know, a great experience I have. Uh, I'm going through here, and I love it. You know, we I'm coaching at a high school, St. Francis High School, of course, the Knights, the Knights of the World. 
Um, we were small one A private school down here in Georgia, man, and it's, it's, it's you know it's a great it's, it's great to be a part of a great program and, and building a program and a great school, um, you know, great education. You know, it's definitely a solid school. Uh, my youth program in North Carolina Giants, kind of you know what you know what we do with that. We have, we have these kids come there. We play at St. Francis High School and we try to use that to build a high school program. So I mean, that's pretty much what my uh, what my responsibilities are. Hey, Brandon, it's Paul. That's, that's great that you're um, coaching. What influences did you have coaching-wise? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I guess it would be easy to say Tom Coughlin, but are you, you know, are you Tom Coughlin? Or are you, who, who are you as a coach? You know, what, what are you, were your role models? Well, I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, I would say I got a little bit of everybody I've been around throughout my, you know, football, you know, about, you know, around my football playing career. You know, I got a little bit of my junior college coaches in me, which is Jeff Lyke and Dickie Rose, uh, a lot of those guys, um, Coach Kill down in Southern Illinois, um, and Coach, you know, and, and of course Coach Coughlin is, is a great deal, a great bit of it. So, you know, I try, you know, I, I try to, you know, make myself, um, I, I try to make myself this coach with a little bit of personality from each of those guys that I've been around and that I respect and look up to uh, dearly. So. Um, I'm kind of. I could be a player's coach. I can be an asshole. I can be whatever I need to be to get. To, you know, to get through to you. Brandon, thanks for coming on. See, everybody thinks Brandon's tough, mean guy. He's a nice guy. This dude, this dude is a teddy bear, and he loves those kids, man. He loves the kids. Hey, let's transition to the Giants. I know you've been watching. What What do you see from Atlanta, Georgia? Let's start on the offensive side of the football. Let's do it. Um, on the offensive side of the football, I see, you know, we got a quarterback who has flashes of uh, a Hall of Fame guy, you know, making some throws and making some plays on his feet. I was like, wow, he just did that. You know, and then you have some days where he looked like he doesn't belong out there, you know, turn ball over and, you know, so on and so forth. But I think a lot of that comes with age. You know, I still believe in Daniel. I still trust Daniel with our football organization. Um, my football franchise, should, you know, should I say, I still trust him there and, uh, I think he got time to grow and get better. You know, that's you know that's the quarterback piece. You know, the offensive line. Um, we haven't been real good uh, lately. You know, protecting the passer. He's been flushed out the pocket a new, you know numerous amount of times and uh, having to make plays on his feet. You know, so I think the line. I think they have been blocking really well lately in the run game. I think Wayne Gallman, You know, I think he's been running really hard lately. I'm glad to see he's finally getting an opportunity to, to to touch the football and show he belongs. Going outside with the receivers, I, I'm I'm not really sure what what's going on there. You know, uh, that's late. Not them making big time plays, making a name for himself. Uh, I think I think that's going to be the receiver for the New York Giants franchise going down the line um, defensively. I think the defense has been playing pretty good uh, lately. Uh, they haven't really been giving up a, a whole, you know, you know, crazy amount of points. You know, but how, how, however you slice it, the offense have scored enough points in the last few weeks to win to win games. You know, we're losing these games by the skin of our teeth. You know, because you know, because down the stretch throughout four quarters, we kind of lose focus. And I'm not sure if it's a depth issue or whatever it is, but I know down the stretch in the fourth quarter, we you know we kind of forget why we took the trip or. Or why we ran out the tunnel seems like. You want to talk about the special teams, or are you just gonna leave them out? Well, you know, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna talk about the special teams as well. You know, and that's probably the bright spot, to be honest with you. You know, they, yes, they we get we good we get good field position. You know, yes, special team is the field position. Uh, uh, you know, that phase of the game. I think we getting we get in really good field. You know, field position, but somehow or another, we 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 giving up too many big plays. 
you know, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, it's, it's too many third down conversions that these teams are getting. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the TV like, man, I'm just third and 17 and they got it. Brandon, uh, leave it to Lawrence Tynes, the kicker, to make the running back talk about special teams, right? I got to respect it, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Believe me, <laughs> you're on a podcast with him twice a week. It gets kind of old, Brandon, but it's OK. We love Lawrence. Uh, hey, you know, hey, Brandon, look, look, without 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 special teams, our, our fingers are empty. That's that's very true. That's very true, especially in San Francisco. Yep. Uh, Brandon, I remember talking to Ernie Acorsi, the general manager, after they drafted you in 2005. And, you know, you just you know, I wasn't that familiar with you out of Southern Illinois. And I look at the numbers and I look at the size and you see some video. And I said, Ernie, this guy is kind of like maybe a fullback type. Right. And, And Ernie was like. The guy is a halfback. The guy is a halfback. I said, well, there's, there's there's no running backs this size. He said, the guy's a halfback. So I always remember that. And, Brandon, what I remember about you most, this is my favorite play. And I want to ask you, I've always meant to ask you this. The first play, you know what I'm going to say, the first play in 2007 in Frigid Green Bay, right? It looked like the first offensive play of the game. You get the handoff. You take it to the right. Kareem McKenzie makes a block. It looks like you can kick it outside even further. You have a nice game. You make a beeline to the best player on the field, Charles Woodson, and lower your helmet into his chest and level him. Was that a message you wanted to send to the Packers and everybody else that we're here to play today? You want to know Brandon Jacobs, you know, you know, philosophy. I might lose a lot of fans after I say this, but um, <laughs> I, we got the ball. I mean, and we, and we run, and I think it was slam. I think it was slam. We were running and. Corner, the wide receiver goes up to get the safety, and the the corner was squeezing. So I had Charles Wilson coming in full speed. I could have put my foot in the ground, dipped inside, got outside, and maybe got 20, 30 yards, if, if not a touchdown. But I chose to, I chose to really run into him because it was an NFC Championship game in the call. I know he was their best player. I, I, I honestly say I tried to take him out of the game. I, I, I tried to end that specific season for him on that play. But he battled back. He battled back, and he and he fought like a true champion. He, he is, but I really tried to because we, we always say, you know, number two isn't as good as number one, right? He's the starter for a reason. Let's, you know, you know, let's get the other guy in the game. So that's what I was really trying to do. I was really trying to put their back up in the game on that specific play. Uh, Antonio Pierce, your defensive captain, said about that play, that was the biggest play of our championship run. How about that? The first play of a game, he said, was the biggest play because he said what it said to the world and to the Packers was, we're going to hit him in the goddamn mouth. And basically, that's what he said. And basically, in minus 23 degrees, you did until I kind of forget. How did that game end? I forget, Brandon. How did that game end? I I, I always forget. Well, well, I'll tell you how. And this is what made our football team what our football team is. Okay, we had a guy who wore number nine. He, he 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 came out. You know, we, we ended up winning the game twenty three twenty. I think it was. We had a guy had a chance to had to end the game with two prior field goals to that, and he didn't. Right. So what happens is we we get an interception, we get an interception in overtime, and to get another chance at it. But guess what we do as a team? Even though we our brother just missed these two kicks, we rally around him. We rally around him. We say what we say to him on the sideline. Man, go out there and get this kick in. He went out of there. He went out there with confidence. Went out there like he had missed two kicks prior to that, right? He went out there and he put it, and he put it right down the middle. 
and probably was one of the most difficult kicks out of the three kicks, to, uh, you know, that uh, he had. And he put it down the middle, and that sends us to and that sends us to uh, Arizona to go play in the Super Bowl. And if he missed a third, Brandon, he was walking home oh. from Green Bay, right? No, if he, if, if he if he if he would have missed a third, we just would have kept battling on offense and defense until we got him another shot. That's He's just, just being we, nice. That's He's just what we nice. was. No, that's just. But honestly, though, that's just what we was. Like whatever happened on our football defense, whether I fumble, whether a mob fumble, whether whether Eli threw a pick, you know, whether someone missed a block or a critical tackle, we rally around our guys, man, and we let them know, hey, man, look, we still here for you. You know, you're human being. You make mistakes. Let's just battle back from it. Let's get out of the hole that we're in. Let's battle back from it. And that's what made us what we were. That's why we won. The Earth, Wind, and Fire trio is, you know, one of the great trio running backs in Giants history, the best probably. And it was special. I mean, especially you and Bradshaw, you really, you were the bruiser. He was the speedy, elusive guy that could catch balls. You're the guy on third and one who's an automatic first down, fourth and one automatic first down. And we don't see a ton of guys like that. You know, how special was that dynamic and how hard was it at times to stay ready? You didn't know when Tom was saying, you get out there, you get out there. No, Derek, you get out there. Uh, what was that dynamic like? Well, if you really want to know something, it was, uh, that dynamic was great. But Coach Coughlin never subbed us once. Gerald never subbed us. We, you know, who was our running back coach? We fed off of each other. We knew, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the starter, so I'm going to take the first two series. I'm going to take the first two series, and then we every other series after that. We knew what we we knew what we had. We knew what we was. You know, we didn't try to make ourselves out of something. We didn't make things too difficult. We all got along. It was perfect. That's why our dynamic worked because we all got along. You know, when Amad goes out and he gets 150 yards and I get 60, I'm not pissed off at him because he he he, he got more yards. I'm not. He was a hot guy. He was a hot hand. Shit. Let's keep beating 44 and, and and let's get up and down the field and score some points. We got along great. Derek, the same thing. Derek, we know we come out play against Carolina in 2008. Derek rips off for 215 yards, and here I'm sitting here at, at, at like 75 yards, and if even that, you know, I scored a game winning touchdown. But we, you know, we got along with one another. We accepted each other's greatness. You know, we never, you know, it was never, you know, we we we, we never had, you know, the, the, the ego. The, the you know the ego never got in the way, and that's you know and that's what made that that you know that. Uh, what it was. Hey, Brandon, we had Paul mentioned this, Ernie Accorsi on a couple weeks ago. He said that your draft class was his favorite draft class because of who was in it. Do you remember everybody that was in it? Obviously, there's one yes. player. He, he couldn't even name the last guy, but you, Tuck, and uh, Corey Webster. Corey and had, Eric Moore, defensive end from Eric Florida Moore. State. You guys had unbelievable careers. I mean, the three of you for a guy of Ernie Acorsi's caliber to say you guys were his favorite draft class has to mean something. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Giants, I mean, I say Ernie did a good job drafting our draft class due to the hit they took prior in the previous year with, with the Eli Manning trade, trading away all the picks. I mean, I think we only had four. We only, we only had four picks that year. And we all ended up being, you know, critical to our team in, 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 in every win we had pretty much, you know, throughout our time there. Um, Eric, uh, he, he, I think he ended up getting hurt his rookie year and uh, ended up getting cut his second year. But uh, you know who could also have been another good player. Um, I was the only, I was the only offensive player drafted in that class. And uh, I would say, you know, Ernie, probably we are, we were, you know, his, his best bet because it was four of us, and we all had, uh, you know, a major, uh, you know, a major part to do with, you know, you know what happened throughout the time there. Now, Brandon, you had 
5,094 yards in your career. Okay, you had some long runs. You had a lot of touchdowns. I think the most important run you ever had, we mentioned that playoff, you know, when you almost took Charles Woodson's head off. Your one-yard carry in the Super Bowl on that last fourth and one, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's no Eli Manning MVP. There's no David Tyree. There's no nothing unless you get a fourth and one. You got it by about four inches. You know, people don't remember that, but without that, nothing afterwards comes, right? Do you remember that play? And there was nothing there. The blocking really wasn't there. You got a couple of inches more than you needed, and the drive continues. Yeah, and I got tripped up by Richie. He was pulling. He was pulling on the power, and I got tripped up by Richie because I saw something. I saw something. Really, it, it was my fault because you know when we're running thirty-six power, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be pretty patient because you do you got everybody blocking down, and you got the guard pulling. You have the guard pulling um, up for the linebacker, and the fullback is kicking the end out right there. I saw something before Richie crossed the center. And I tried to hit it right then and there. And as soon as he passed, I kind of skimmed right off of his butt. And I tripped down. But I tripped down with a forward, with forward momentum, which which ended up getting me the first down. But, you know, like everybody always say, when they start talking about that one drive, they say, if things don't, things doesn't happen, if I don't do, you know, you know, do this. Steve Smith, prior to that, made a beautiful catch on on, on, a, on a 39 to get me to the one yard to be able to, to, to uh, get that one yard to, to finish the drive. It's amazing. The game of inches, right? The, the way it happened. You know, I, I, I always, um, you know, Brandon, you came in and, and sometimes people forget you were a teammate of Tiki Barber's for two years. And so when you came in, you didn't have to be the man, right? You had to be the massive backup who got a lot of his touchdowns. He, he ran the ball to the 10 yard line and you took it the rest of the way. How important was it the, your development as a running back to be able to kind of siphon that knowledge off of Tiki for two years? Because Tiki was a, a tremendous back at the time. Tiki is the New York Giants' uh, 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 best running back uh, that has ever put on a helmet in, for that organization. And I would say you know, there's a lot of good running backs out there, you know, because I know Tiki and, and what it took to be a great running back. And, you know, his, his you know, the, the, the way he ran the ball, his style, I'm, I, I placed Tiki in the top ten because a lot of the things he did with, with his frame and with his speed, Tiki, Tiki wasn't a burner. He wasn't going to outrun you. He wasn't going to do any of that. And he wasn't going to just run you over. But the man somehow rushed for, you know, close to 11,000 yards in his career, you know, in his career. You know, he had 1,800 in his last, in his last, I mean, his last season, I think, as a giant. I mean, it was tremendous being, you know, being behind Tiki and learning everything from him. He taught me how to be a pro. He taught me how to be a pro. He, you know, he, he taught me how the game works. Taught me what it's like to be a running back along with Coach Ingram. You know, uh, it, w- it was great being with Tika. I don't think I'll have even the 5,000 yards I have if I wouldn't have never been playing behind him. You know, and it, it, you know, it was a great, it was great for, you know, for me to end up going there and not having to step in and be a starter right off the bat. So that, that definitely, uh, helped me out. And I definitely salute guys that go, you know, get drafted in their rookie year and just go be a, you know, a starter like that. I just, I don't think I could have done it. Brandon, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire was obviously the name. Have you met them? Have you been in concert with them? Did you make money off the Earth, Wind, and Fire label? What's going on there? Well, I didn't make any, we didn't make any money off Earth, Wind, and Fire label. I'm, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have liked that if we did because it's their name and not ours. But, uh, no, we didn't make any money off of it. I never, I never really met them. Or, to be honest with you, I never even listened to them. Never? How about that? 
You've never, never. been to Earth on the 21st night of September? Never? Wow. Never. Wow. Never, ever. So I'm really being honest, and I'm telling you that. I've never really listened to him. Is Derrick Henry bigger than you? Derrick number on his on his on the roster is a lot of than than what I am, but I truly believe he's you know about two fifty, two fifty five. I think he's like two forty or two thirty eight or something on the roster. But this is what his fourth year in the league, fifth year in the league, something like that. Like, what is it, fourth year? So as yeah, you get something older, like that. But what was your playing weight like? Your prime my playing, playing weight. weight. I, I was two hundred and I was two hundred. I was in between two sixty and two seventy every year. I got drafted at two sixty seven. I got down to two sixty four. Waiting at 264 on on the first day of rookie mini camp, which is why that's in the roster. But I was in between two. I was in between 260 and 270. Got up. That's without. Big, that's at, without pads. That's without pads. So I got up to the highs I've gotten while I was playing. Just with every other off season, of course, I get like 275, 280, or something like that. Then I will come down the closer <laughs> we get to camp. How much weight does pads add? Is that like what, like ten pounds? Well, you just helmet. Yeah, I mean, uh, your helmet is gonna probably weigh around three or four pounds, and the shoulder pads probably about two pounds, and you know the thigh pads, I guess, is, is you know probably a, you know with yeah with all of your pads, you probably you know it's probably a pound or so. So, Brandon, you're, you're talking about big guys. You're a big guy. Now, I understand. You know, we let people come on here and brag a little bit. Um, I understand your son is getting to be a, a robust young man. Um, but he's not a running back, right? You, you go ahead, brag about your son and uh, what kind of kid he is and what kind of football player he is, because he he might not be toting the ball. He might be protecting guys, right? Jonathan Ogden, he's going to make the left tackle money. Yeah, I mean, get, I never really get opportunity to brag about my boy. You know, he's 13 years old. I love him to death. He's a great kid, nice kid. Doesn't come off as, you know, what he is. He doesn't come off as that. He's a great kid, respects everybody. I mean, gets along with everybody. Not a really a bad bone in his body. Go to school, does what he's supposed to do every day. Never get any reports on him. Like nothing. The kid is pretty, the kid is perfect. The kid is perfect. And he's what Braden is about. You know, he's almost 6'3", somewhere around there, probably, you know, and probably about 235 pounds, close to that. Um, he's probably going to be 6'5", 6'6", 325, somewhere around there. Probably, probably going to go to one of these big power five schools playing left tackle. And uh, I, I don't I don't see uh, him not being the first round draft pick in the in in the draft. I, I don't I don't see I don't see that not happening. The boy's a first round draft pick at left tackle, got great feet. He's fast for size. Change of direction is great. He's tough. He, you know he he got it down. He, he he is he is the epitome of one of the guys that blocked for me. You know he is he is he is about the line. You know he loves being a lineman. Most protecting, he takes it upon himself to get his kicks up better to be able to protect. He loves when we passing the ball, so he can just block these ends and you know and, and just work. You know, he gets his, you know, he gets beat sometimes. You know, he don't give up too many sacks, but he does get beat. You know, which is the testament to our great quarterback. He gets the ball off, but um, the kid is a great left tackle. Um, he does it. He does it. You know, he he he's the epitome of it. I love him to death. He goes out there and get his job done. So if anybody is listening to this and got a opportunity, a coach in college or looking for a tackle, listen, jump on my board, you know, before everybody else do. Brandon, because we have a relationship, I will cut my fees in half. I will sign up to be his agent today. How about today. that? Okay. I got connections. I got connections in New York today. Okay. Let's can go. we can we make and a deal today? We can make a deal today. And that's exactly what the kid told me. 
Cincinnati. I'll, I'll get opportunity. I want to play for the Giants. I don't want to play for really nobody else, but I got to go where That's I'm awesome. drafted. But I, w- I would love to play for the Giants. Hey, he can go block for Arch Manning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, the, the kid, the, the kid wanted man. The kid wants it, man. I, I, I see, I, I see first round draft draft choice all over him, man. And you know what, Brandon? You said he's a good kid. And that's a reflection of his parents, I would assume, because these this this thing that doesn't happen by accident. Football and and genetics is one thing, but if he's such a good kid, then that comes from hard work from his parents. Well, I give that I give all that credit to his mom, man. She, she you know she does a good job with him and making sure he you know they on try to to you know to do everything. I'm my you know my mentality is a little bit different on how I teach my kids and what I tell them to do. You know, I tell them to do stuff sometimes is not a great thing to do. Like as a dad, I say so, well, somebody hit you, you better hit the ass back. You better hit them back. You know, know, and that's like the the downfall for me as a parent because that's how I was raised. Like my mom used to tell me, boy, you come home and somebody put their hands on you and you ain't hit them back, I'm going to beat you myself. Right, stuff like that. So that's like for me, like that's like, man, somebody put their hands on you or be disrespectful to you in any way, drop them, drop them. And, and we'll and we'll spend the three days. They suspend you. We're gonna spend them three days having fun. But but my wife feel other. You know my <laughs> my wife feels differently. So that's what that's where they go. But she, I give all that credit to her, man. She she does. You know she do a good job with them. Well, you know what they say, like father, like son. You were, you know, you were crushing defenders, and he'll be crushing uh, defensive linemen in ten years. Looking forward to seeing him in the NFL, hopefully in a Giants uniform. And Brandon, you know, once a Giant, always a Giant. And I'll say it for you, only a Giant, because I know you didn't love that one year in San Francisco. So we'll call you a, you know, a life, a lifetime Giant here. And the Giants fans man, love, love uh, you. I was a Giant even in San Francisco, man. I was a Giant there. I mean. I, <laughs> I was so much stuff. You hey, know, can I tell? Can I wide. tell a quick story? Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, Brandon? go yeah, go ahead. Brandon, so Brandon signed with the Niners, and he's out in San Francisco, and we played them that following season. And so we go to the hotel, and Brandon was pretty much doing everything with us except the team meetings. But he was a 49er. He was with all the boys because he hated Harbaugh the whole nine. You guys know the story. But that was so cool yeah. to see him because we all missed him. But he was hanging out with us because that was that was his team. Even though we were going to play them in twelve hours. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. I didn't. I didn't care because, like, once they told me I was the inactive for the majority of the season, I was kind of chilling, man. I was a sweatsuit bandit, so I just, I just really wore the uniform in practice. I wasn't really there, you know. I don't know why. I don't. To be honest with you, I don't even know why I was. I was. They they brought me there. I don't know why they paid to bring me there because I, I don't really know their reasoning. I mean, the year, you know, the year before that, we beat them in the NFC Championship game and and. And Harbaugh and myself are the same agent. I should head coach to go to the NFC Championship game with a with a with pretty much a, a new team. You know, I went up to the guy and I congratulated him on one hell of a season he had the year before. And next thing you know, free agents are coming, they calling, picking me up. I'm like, oh, you know, all right, cool. But ever since that, I mean, it was just wasn't a, it just wasn't a great fit. You know, um, I think I was too mouthy. I think I spoke my mind a little bit too much when it was time to help the team in certain situations that I was looking onto, uh, you know, in meetings, just looking at some schemes and, you know, route patterns. And, you know, I'm like, wow, that is breaking every rule in the book. But, hey, it is <laughs> it is what it is. But, you know, and I, I kind of spoke up on some of that. And I guess that's probably what got me thought out. Well, you know, New York honesty and New York grit is is accepted. Maybe it's not the same over there on the West Coast. So, uh, you know, Brandon, we love you, New York. Follow him on Twitter, at GatorBoyRB and Instagram, 
nyg.td.record27. Brandon, uh, appreciate you coming on Blue Rush, man. We'll talk to you later in the season. Thanks. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate being on, man. I had a good time, man. And you guys have a good one. And that says cheerio to episode 51, the Zach Diossi edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush or wherever the hell you get your bloody pods. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For Paulie Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Taines. We'll chat with you all first thing Monday morning following a Giants-Eagles game. Enjoy the game, folks, and stay safe.